Hello guys, thank you for tuning in to the Not The Top 20 podcast. Uh, we have been two of 76,000 people at Wembley today watching the League One playoff final between Sunderland and Charlton. Charlton coming from behind to win 2-1 in the 94th minute. A goal from their captain, Patrick Bauer, sees them back to the championship after a few years' absence. George, we're still trying to work out what we've just seen. It was another dramatic end to a playoff final here this weekend. Yeah, I think you're sounding quite sombre. I think we should probably say that we are um, sitting in a quiet corner um, at Wembley trying trying to not disturb anyone um, in, the, in the aftermath of the game. But yeah, it was an incredible moment. I think we should, we should focus on to start with. Um, seeing a team score an injury time winner in front of their own fans, uh, fans who have had a pretty tough time given um, the ownership of, of De Chatelet in recent years, uh, an owner who said that he didn't come here for fear of his own safety, um, which I think people saw through pretty quickly. Um, I've been to the Valley a few times in the last year, last few years, and it's probably ranks amongst the worst for home support, and that's a, a no disrespect to, to Charlton as a club because they have every right to stay away. So to see them turning up in their numbers as they did today and, and get their day in the sun, even if it was more hot rain than sun, um, <laughs> is, uh, is, is, is a great thing, and, and congr- congratulations to them. Um, it probably doesn't, we should say, uh, it, was, it was a pretty poor game of football, though. Yes, it was not an exciting game of football in terms of uh, chances at either end. A, a theme of the weekend so far. Of course, one of the reasons we love these playoff games is the jeopardy and the tension and the fact that while it is level, uh, it's on a knife edge and one moment can change everything. And, and that's what's happened uh, both on Saturday with Tramir's 119th minute winner and today with Charlton's 94th minute winner. But yeah, George, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is a game in which Charlton had two shots on target. Uh, one from Ben Purrington, the equalising goal, his first goal uh, in league football uh, in his career, um, his first goal for Charlton, and uh, quite the time to do it. The other shot on target, Bowers' winning goal, uh, and no other shots on target. Sunderland had three. Uh, one was a, a shot from Ledbitter, well saved by Phillips, tipped round the post, and the other two were fairly tame efforts from range from Maguire and from Oviedo. So the one thing we're missing there is a Sunderland goal. It didn't come from a shot on target. George, I mean, it... Should we tell them? It was absolutely ridiculous what happened for Sunderland's goal. Yeah, you missed it. I missed it. <laughs> I missed it. So about four minutes in and, and you know, four minutes of, of high-intensity League One playoff final football, Ali obviously had to look at his phone to see what was going on in the, in the wider universe. And, you know, it was a good time to do so because Naby Saab was just... Sit, uh, just on the ball in, in no danger at all I was thinking to myself how nice it is to see another um, left-footed centre-back having appreciated uh, Manny Month yesterday and uh, he knocks it back without looking to, to keep a Dylan Phillips Phillips looks like he's got it under control to start with and then he suddenly realises he realises he's not going to get there and it just rolls into the back of the net and Sunderland are 1-0 up having received, been on the receiving end of what must go down as one of the most extraordinary goals in a playoff final we've ever seen an absolute gift for Sunderland. And, George, the first 15 minutes, Charlton, fairly understandably after that, were just rattled. completely rattled, weren't yeah. they? I mean, they, they, they had no composure. They couldn't get on the ball defensively, even with, you know, they were playing three centre-backs to start the game, which was quite interesting. It's obviously says a lot about the versatility of Christian Bielik that he can slot into centre-back. He played on the right of a, of a back three. 
um, and they marshaled White very well. But there were still times where Sunderland were able to to play through them quite easily in the first 15 minutes of the game. I thought that Sunderland started looking confident, looking quite smart and slick, and and the play, the experienced players that we spoke about before the game um, looked like that they, they were ready to take control of the game, having gone ahead. Um, I guess from a Sunderland point of view, it, it's it's another example of them not being able to hold on to a lead, this time a lead that they were just gifted. Um, it's just the same old story with Sunderland again. I mean, even at their best in, in the matches, at their best times in games where they had control of the ball, they never, ever really looked really look threatening. I mean, you mentioned their shots, but there was never a, a period of play, even in that first 15 minutes when Charlton just looked really a combination of unbelievably nervous and, and very, very, very rattled after conceding such a ridiculous goal. They, you know, Sunderland never really... Turn the turn the turn the screw. The only time it looked like they might was when Ledbetter had had a, had a shot, which Phillips made a fantastic save for. Um, so give give him credit for that because if that sneaks in in the bottom corner, it's probably tie over. Um, but I just I think Sunderland fans now are, are pretty tired of, and bored of these consistent performances of, of being unable to pose a constant threat of relying on individual individual quality from or opposition mistakes uh, and today was just another example of, of, of Jack Ross not getting the most out of the squad at his disposal not making tactical changes to improve it and being undone by another team who didn't have necessarily better chances or, or, or I think the, the, the chances they created for the goals were the two best chances of the game there's no doubt about that but just in terms of general play and the way they set up and the way they defended just looked a better outfit Sunderland Started with Wyke up front and in order to play to his strengths, uh, which are really target man hold up play, um, they initially were going long to Wyke, using him as a as a target. That was scrapped very early on. About 10-15 minutes in, Bauer had won the majority of their duels together. They weren't able to get the other attacking players close to him anyway. Uh, and they really shelved that tactic. And the problem is that Wyke is... Well, when you're not playing to his strengths, and he, he's not really going to have much of a sniff, and that's exactly what happened. So credit to the initial tactical setup, I suppose, of Charlton to, to recognise that Wyke was going to be targeted and to, to basically wipe that tactic out early. Um, Sunderland, as you say, didn't have particularly any alternative. They worked it wide quite a lot uh, into the wide areas. They weren't able to get any particularly good delivery from those areas. Um, they started, as we thought they might, with what we considered the solid midfield three of Catamol, Ledbitter and Max Power. Um, and unfortunately for, for Power, he was injured in the first minute of the game, couldn't continue. So Ross did have to change his plan somewhat. He brought on uh, Morgan for Power, so a, a winger really for a central midfield player. Honeyman dropped a little bit deeper um, and nothing particularly changed for them. Morgan didn't offer too much. Honeyman didn't offer too much uh, in an attacking sense. There was a moment in the second half where they brought on Grigg, uh, him and White played on, this, on the pitch together for a, a short while before White was hauled off for McGeady. It, it felt like there might have been minor tweaks uh, every few minutes, every 10 minutes or so in the second half. None of them seemed to, to really stick. And uh, certainly from my vantage point, there's a bit of confusion as to how Sunderland were, were trying to go about getting their goal when it was level. Let's talk about Charlton's equaliser. Uh, the moment of team quality in the game. The, the only true moment of team, team quality in the game. And um, a couple of couple of players really stood out in that move. Yeah, Aribo um, with some fantastic skill. Uh, uh, Lyle Taylor with some good hold-up play and a fantastic cross and a lovely little flick from, from um, Dykesteel to, to get uh, Taylor down the right. 
I mean, Taylor's so good in those positions. That's the thing about him is he's, he's a fantastic goal scorer and a great striker. But when he when he drops into those wide channels, he's so adept at getting past a man and putting in a decent cross as well. It makes him such a difficult uh, striker or, or forward to play against. We often saw it at, at Wimbledon. Um, at times he played played on the wing, basically, or, or as a kind of a wide forward in a front three um, when they had uh, other strikers playing up top. And, he, and he's very good at it. Um, I didn't think he had a great game today. I thought second half particularly, he was he was poor to be honest wasn't one for the strikers um, today, was it? no it wasn't unlike yesterday but uh but he he still created the goal and and as you say it was it was the moment of quality in the game and i mean it's, joe rebo is someone who's got all the attributes and qualities to to go much higher we, we've seen so many times even today where he had a, a, a very good half an hour in the first half the second half again he was fairly quiet but you can see by the way he approaches the game by his immediate desire to to use his quick feet to beat a man and to give himself some space and then his passing ability on top of that as well as his dribbling ability um he really does have the, the whole locker and uh, a couple of clever touches was what was needed mm. to unlock the Sunderland defense in a game of not many he definitely drifted in and out of the game didn't he Aribo I noticed that uh, there was there was Charlton were basically good for the first minute of the game had a good uh, attack in which he was involved and then from minute two to, I think, minute 15 or 16, Aribo genuinely didn't touch the ball in, in that time. Uh, Charlton very much on the back foot there. Then, as you say, had a good spell to, to finish the first half and, and trying to seize back control. Very much involved in, in the equalising goal. Taylor becoming known for his goals. Um, but actually, that low ball across the six-yard box pointed out by uh, our great friend Ollie Walker, who's a League One analyst, that's become a real calling card of, of Taylor's as well. And it was... It was one of those ones where he was slipped in and if he had taken a touch before crossing, um, Sunderland would have closed off the ball across. Uh, wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been able to reach the back post. The fact that he went first time so quickly across goal, um, that was what created the goal. A moment of brilliance from Taylor and tapped in um, by Purrington. We said it wasn't a game for the strikers. Josh Parker is an interesting one, isn't he? Uh, you turned to me, I'm going to steal your line here, you turned to me in the first half and said, imagine telling Josh Parker back in November when he was playing for Gillingham in the bottom half of League One that he'd be starting in the in the playoff final and he was another player like, like Taylor not a lot came off but he, he worked very hard up there didn't he and both of them at different times were, were, were doing yeah, their fair share I think, I think he did a lot of the legwork today um, I don't think he necessarily hold up plays as natural game but that's what he provided today and, and a lot of running on top of that um, interestingly I just read Tom Barkley's tweet uh, saying that two years ago when Red Star Belgrade refused to release his transfer um, papers, he was working in a cafe wow. um, because he couldn't get a move. And now here he is today. Um, and I think it's also a testament to the job that Lee Bowie has done at Charlton that when they lost Carl and Grant to Huddersfield in the window, the replacement was Josh Parker. Mm. I think that shows the financial constraints that he's working under. I think mm. that shows the difficulty he's had in building a squad. Again, you look at their keeper today, Dylan Phillips, an academy graduate who's 23 years old, playing his first full season as number one. This Charlton are a big club. This isn't a squad that's been expensively assembled. He's done absolute wonders with it. And um, and yeah, Josh Parker is one of the many, many good kind of good news stories, I guess, that's come out of today. Christian Bielik, one man of the match, someone that we've banged on about a lot on loan from Arsenal, of course. Uh, as I said at the top of the pod, showing his versatility by starting in a back three. And then when they switched to a diamond formation at half-time, which is what we saw the majority of the second half of the season, the, sh the shape that they used, he was comfortable in possession. I, I, I said to you at one point, I don't mean to be rude, I mean, he's not uh, what I would call a deep-line playmaker. He's not a fantastic passer, but he's good enough and kept things ticking over. Um, he won the man of the match here in the stadium. We 
we thought it should have been Josh Cullen, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I think the change that Lee Bowyer made at half-time by taking off Naby Sarr um, and bringing on Pierce was important. Very decisive management. Though. It was important because Naby Sarr had just picked up a booking and then about 30 seconds later it slid in for a tackle where if he'd missed the ball they probably would have been sent off and in a playoff final you can't have um, quite a cumbersome centre-back I would say skating on thin ice with a yellow card with the likes of um, Honeyman kind of charging at him and, and Morgan it's just a bit of a recipe for disaster um, and I think the change of shape to a back forward did help as well but I, I, I don't agree with the Bielik man of the match award because I thought Cullen was so important in changing changing the tide of the game in that first half, dropping deep into areas. He's very, very good in tight spaces as well, so he can come back, pick up the ball, and drift away from a man before getting a, an attack going. And I think that him in that role was really what made them, but was what made the, the, the game turn from being 1-0 down. Um, he continued to, to work very hard and had some nice moments in the second half as well. Um, it was interesting that the, the one real black mark against his name during the game was fairly poor set-piece delivery, and they did have a fair few corners and free kicks in good areas. Uh, Who put the ball in for the... Josh Cullen. Nice, there you go. Sorry. You kind of ruined my point there. (laughs) (laughs) It's completely ruined my point. Um, Yeah, the one mark against him, poor set-piece delivery. And and while it wasn't, um, you know, a dead ball situation, him crossing for Bowers, winning goal, um, you know, he he received it down the left-hand side. He he managed to create a little bit of separation uh, and it was a good ball to the back stick where they'd created an overload at the back. Uh, And and Bauer, well, (laughs) his first effort was blocked uh, by McLaughlin, the goalkeeper, and then... His rebound deflected in uh, from Flanagan. Uh, despite McLaughlin's best efforts, we, we knew that he was one of Sunderland's better players and he did his best, but it wasn't quite good enough. Bauer himself was absolutely immense at the back. Um, for me, if it wasn't Callan, it should have been Bauer, man of the match, the captain. He's been there for a few years now. Uh, a real captain's display. First, keeping Charlie White very quiet. Then when Will Grigg came on, uh, another very quiet uh, performance from him. Uh, of course, a... Uh, um, Big money signing in, in January after Josh Madger had moved to Bordeaux. Wasn't able to replicate Madger's goals. Now, hasn't always looked particularly match fit. That's certainly not his fault. Uh, but for Sunderland, it's it's a bit of a head-scratcher. They head into the summer knowing that, you know, it, it, there's one thing that's undeniable here. They, they weren't good enough to be promoted in the regular season, ending up finishing fifth in the division. They weren't good enough to be promoted today either, having essentially been gifted a goal to go 1-0 up. Uh, a lead we saw them hold on to in the semi-final against Portsmouth um, but today they came up against a Charlton team that just in key moments offered a little bit more than Portsmouth didn't they? Uh, I know it's we, we shouldn't say that managers deserve to get sacked too often but if I was a Sunderland fan I mean I, I was sitting next to the game today sitting next to a someone who works for the BBC in, in that area who's covering the game and I asked at the, at the final whistle do you, think, do you think that's the end of Ross and he said no he thinks he'll, he'll get the summer I think when you've seen four, you know, I mean, sixty odd games a season of of, of Sunderland, there's a serious issue here, where I, I have no confidence. But I mean, the, the two key questions for any manager is, do you have a system of working out and how to set up teams to score goals, and do you have a system where you can set up teams not to concede? And one or two, one of the two is good news. Both of them is ideal. I have no confidence in Jack Rice being able to provide either. Um, they're a fifth place finish this season given their budget and the players at their disposal um, despite the you know the uh, the turnover of players he had to work with let's say isn't good enough today wasn't good enough again and I just think that sticking by a manager who's not has shown consistently that he's enabled, unable to really stamp authority and superiority over another team in games 
it's it's time to pull the plug and there's going to be a huge turnover of players this summer at Sunderland and I, and I think there should be another person in charge to, to make the decisions. Well, conversely, Lee Bowyer is going down as a Charlton legend uh, off the back of this promotion. There's no doubt about that. The club that he started at uh, as an apprentice at the very beginning of his playing career, um, <laughs> he spent a few years after he retired in France fishing on a lake, playing a lot of golf. Didn't feel like he wanted to stay in the game when he retired. He was co- he was coaxed back by Harry Kuehl, of all people, um, to help out Kuehl with the Watford reserve team when Kuehl was in charge there. Um, he did a couple of days a week and then joined Carl Robinson. A penny for Carl Robinson's thoughts, by the way, here. Charlton I'm team sure he would tell you he is delighted. A Charlton team that he <laughs> left for Oxford United in, what was it, March of last, February, last season? Yeah. Uh, heading up into the championship uh, with a not dissimilar squad to the one he had at his disposal, I think it's fair to say. So a penny for Carl Robinson's thoughts. But look, it's a fantastic story for Boya. Uh, we have to give a shout out to his assistant, Johnny Jackson, as well, uh, who we've both worked with, who we just find to be the most passionate football man, uh, passionate about Charlton as well, specifically, and a club just, legend. Just a beautiful man. He ran... 80 metres down the touchline as soon as the goal went in faster than he would have ever run as a player I'm sure uh, and absolutely wonderful scenes um, the Charlton end George was breathtaking at times today they, their fans were absolutely incredible yeah just after the final whistle just basically sat there for 25 minutes just just watching the fans celebrating it was great um, and as you say with, with, with Johnny Jackson we spoke to him before the playoffs last season which was his last season as a player and we asked him how much it would mean to him to come out of Wembley for his final game and, and get promotion and he basically started welling up on the phone and um, yeah, it may not be as a player but I'm pretty sure for him he's he's served that club so well and uh, it'll be a, a hell of a day and for Lee Bowyer as well I, if, I, if I were to have the, the, the Not The Top 20 awards ceremony tonight um, I'd make sure that Lee Bowyer was coming up to the stage once or twice because the job he's done this season is absolutely tremendous unbelievable stuff well there's plenty of hard work to come because, as we know, when you win the playoff final, you have a couple of weeks fewer to prepare for what will be championship football for Charlton, League One football for Sunderland. So I'm sure they'll allow themselves a, a break of sorts, but there is going to be lots of work to do. Um, you know, you you were practically selling Joe Aribo uh, before the game to, to the Premiership, uh, to the Premier League, I should say. Uh, so we don't know what will become of him. We should also shout out Johnny Williams. We should have said his name earlier in the podcast. Um, he wasn't. He didn't set up the winning goal, but he added real impetus. He was when fouled he came on. loads. He was fouled. I think three or four times. More, I would say. You love that. It's a real Jack Grealish quality. Yeah, it's good. It's important, especially. I mean, we saw today. It just it, whilst he didn't do anything necessarily in the final third, just getting the ball five times, being kicked five times, winning five free kicks, and changing the the direction of the game is is a skill. Um, no muted celebrations from him afterwards. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how Netflix cover his impact in in the in the final episode of of, of next series of Sunderland Till I Die. Um, Given how much he stole the show in the opening season, is it possible that they just um, maybe they've just done a Johnny Williams special this season without letting anyone know? Just a lot of him on the treatment just, just table in the first half of the season, like a like a uh, like, like a Joey spinoff, <laughs> a good second half of the season <laughs> with Charlton. Uh, no, it was maybe. good to see him come on and. He is, he's, he's one of the most popular footballers I've ever seen. Twitter was very excited to see Johnny Williams doing well. Most Welsh footballers are. I yeah. Think. <laughs> um, look, we are going to wrap this up. We're keen to rest our weary heads after a, a fantastic day yeah. um, and a fantastic League One playoff final. Let's just remind 
uh, as if we needed to, the listeners, that on the opening day of the season, Charlton went up to the Stadium of Light to play a lunchtime kickoff. They lost in the last minute, having been ahead at the Stadium of Light against Sunderland. It was a game in which they couldn't even fill their bench because of injuries at the end of pre-season and an under um, an underdeveloped squad at that stage. And they went down to a, a late goal against Sunderland here at Wembley with a squad of players that have put together a simply sensational second half of the season. Um, and going behind to one of the more traumatic opening goals, I think it's possible to concede on such a, a, a big stage. Charlton were the ones who came back and won this game. They will be playing in the Championship next season. We cannot wait to cover them in the Championship next season. Commiserations to Sunderland. We'll be back tomorrow. We're covering the Championship playoff final. It's between Derby and Aston Villa. It's going to be an absolute cracker. We'll be releasing a podcast as soon as possible after the final whistle. We hope you've enjoyed this one. If you have done, please make sure you give this a share. We'd really appreciate that. Make sure you're subscribed because the season might be almost over, but we've got plenty of plans for the summer. So thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again tomorrow.